So it really didn't occur to me that that much could change you know, in my neighborhood at all. And I actually left the neighborhood uh, right to go to college you know, with absolutely no desire to ever return. And this is actually what, the, what is in our community right now. But all those kinds of, um, uh, you know, the, the, the historical, you know, issues around my community, this is, it led to the environmental abuses that we actually have today. And I'd like to think that, um, you know, but if you think about it, and, and here we have an extremely poor community. But just a mat, and it, so it was a really politically expedient place to put all of these kind of environmental burdens. But just imagine, you know, if... Um, Mostly because affluent people didn't want to have to see them and they had the political will to make sure that, that didn't happen. But when I imagine that if we had actually located our power plants, our waste facilities, you know, our diesel truck routes, um, chemical facilities, et cetera, if we located them in rich communities just as easily as we did in poor ones, could you, I would think that we would have had a clean and green economy a long, long time ago. So the kind of environmentalism that I do is called environmental justice. And very simply, it means that no community should have to bear the brunt of lots of environmental burdens and not enjoy environmental benefits. And unfortunately, right now, race and class are unbelievably reliable indicators is where you're going to find the good things like parks and trees and where you're going to find the bad things like waste facilities and power plants and other parts of the country. They find things like mega hog farms and really gross things like that. But there, in, in addition to those burdens, you know, that clearly some of those things you saw before just aren't pleasant to be around, but it's not just that. They have some pretty severe health consequences as well. We have one of the country's highest asthma rates, childhood asthma rates in particular, uh, in the South Bronx. We also have an enormous amount of obesity and, di which, and, uh, and uh, diabetes follows suit as well. You know, type 2 diabetes in particular, the kind that most people didn't get until they were in their late 30s and early 40s, we're seeing it in, in kids as young as three years old, partially because of the food desert that we have in our community. Access to healthy and affordable produce in our communities is extremely hard to come by. But add to that the fact that parents really aren't all that interested in letting their kids go out to play and get some physical exercise if they feel that, the, you know, that their kids are going to get hit by a diesel truck or that the air really smells bad because of some of the other facilities. In addition to that, uh, Columbia University did a study back in 2006 that gave absolute proof that being in proximity, you know, close proximity to um, fossil fuel emissions actually causes learning disabilities in our young kids. And I think we know now that kids that don't do well in school are much more likely candidates for jail rather than higher education or great jobs. And I think it's, it's just when you think about it, somehow or another, all the, the facilities in, that you saw before, garbage in and of itself became a great kind of growth industry. And uh, that actually is what got me started in this work. When I moved back home to my community, um, after running away for a really long time, I only moved back because I was broken starting graduate school and my parents um, gave me a, let me stay in my old room. Um, but moving back there was not what I wanted to do, but what it did do was help politicize me in a way that I never thought I would be. Um, at the time, uh, our mayor, uh, Giuliani, and America's mayor before 9-11. And um, our governor, Pataki, had decided that they were going to create a huge waste facility on our waterfront. 
And these, this would have brought about 40% of the city's uh, municipal waste to our community. We were already handling 40% of the city's municipal, um, excuse me, commercial waste. And it was just like an extraordinary burden. And, and it was only through that discovery that I realized, like, wait a second, you know, our community isn't just dirty because people in our community don't care, which is kind of the feeling that many of us had. And that's why so many of us, you know, if we got a little bit of education, there we had a huge brain drain. So it wasn't like there weren't really brilliant, smart people in my community. If they were able to, they left. And I know that there are many you know, places in, in the, the city of London where you, feel, where you get that too. Um, so brain drains, really something critical to really be thinking about. And um, we thought that, my goodness, I just saw the way regulations are used to discriminate against poor people and poor people of color. And the fact that I was living there just made me want to be as much a part of the solution as anything else in, in my life at the time. But I gotta tell you, it, so fighting against that waste facility was an enormous you know, victory for us because we won. But at the same time, it became clear to me that what I didn't wanna spend all my life doing and what I didn't think our community needed to be doing was only fighting against something. We needed to be fighting for something. And then there were like these really interesting kind of community visioning processes, you know, where folks, you know, actually gave themselves permission to dream about what they wanted in their own neighborhoods. Things like clean air or living wage jobs that didn't sacrifice their health or the environment, you know, or a waterfront park in their own community so they didn't have to travel so far to get to something like that. And these are like little, you would think, they're basic kind of wants and desires for people, right? But it wasn't to some extent, not in the place like the South Bronx. 